Welcome to Know My Faith. My guest is Pastor Nigel Woodley from Flaxmere Christian Fellowship and from For the Protection of Zion. Nigel, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. It's great to be here. Back with you, Rob. Yeah, it's good to have you again. Um, so we want to look at Zionism at the moment because it's a topic that, in, in fact, I've just had a couple of people online uh, that are questioning it. So there are a few different explanations of Zionism. Yeah. What, firstly, I mean, what would be what would be Christian Zionism? Um, Christian Zionism is simply Christians who believe their Bibles. Uh, Christian Zionism is Christians believing in the right of the Jewish people to go back to their homeland, their historical homeland, their biblical homeland. Zion is another name for the land of Israel. And that's what Christian Zionism is. A Christian Zionist supports fully the idea of a Jewish state in the land of Israel, even in the disputed territories, because it is historically and biblically the land of Israel. All right. So this is definitely... Uh, a faith-based spiritual thing. Um, For me, it is. Absolutely. Well, as, as a Christian, it should be. Yeah. There's there's an awful lot of people that, um, they, they and I know you do this, so, it's, so it's, a, yeah. it's a tricky question for me. People petition governments, particularly the New Zealand government, from a yeah. Christian viewpoint. So they're telling, they're telling a secular government, you yeah. need to recognize Israel in its full land because the Bible says so. And the secular yeah. government goes, well, we don't even believe your Bible or in your God. So why should we do this? Well, um, from my point of view, usually when I'm petitioning government, and I've got a petition now for New Zealand Embassy in Israel, uh, we do go with the secular argument. Israel's case, we believe, can be won on the secular argument alone because God's smart. And... Uh, but, but, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not afraid nor ashamed to actually bring the Christian content into it, the fact that what we believe is ideologically based in the Holy Bible. And, you know, society has to, has to at some stage, just uh, grasp the fact that there are something like, uh, I think, a third of the population in the world regard themselves as Christians. Yeah. And so in some way, that uh, a third of the population of the world is has their faith based in the Holy Bible. So there has to be some respect given to it at some stage. And however, when I do public rallies, and uh, usually uh, I keep the Bible out of it, but I'm not ashamed nor afraid to bring it in if I have to. Yeah, there's there's wisdom, isn't there? There's wisdom yeah. and timing. It's you know as as yeah. uh, harmless as as doves, but as smart as the adder. Absolutely, and and, and Jesus is very smart. Yeah. Is there a difference between Christian Zionism and biblical Zionism? Uh, no. Uh, biblical Zionism is the ideal uh, that the land of Israel, the land of Zion, belongs to the people of Zion. That is the people of Israel. Uh, Zion is both a land, the land of Israel. It is a people, the people of Israel, the Jewish people. And, you know, there are one or two references in Scripture, Rob, where uh, Christians uh, may be able to take Zion and apply it to Christians, that's fine. In some ways, in, in some aspects, we can be the sons of Zion, but you cannot take away from the fact that that uh, on the whole, Zion in the Bible speaks of a land and a people always referring to the people of Israel and the land of Israel. Yeah. When uh, we use an awful lot, um, Genesis 12, uh, 1 to 3, when God calls Abram and says, I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. And we apply that mostly 
to Israel and to the Jewish people. So just throwing up another argument here is that uh, the Arabs are also descended from Abraham. And there's when you talk about Christian Zionism or, or Israel and supporting the land of Israel, there's always the question of what about the Palestinians? What about the Arabs? Uh, first of all, God loves the Palestinians and he loves the Arabs. He has nothing against them. He wants them saved like every other human uh, member of a human race. However, in regards to the covenant of Abraham, God made it very clear in Genesis 17 who the objects of his mercy and call were directed to. Yep. And in chapter 17 of Genesis, in the covenant of circumcision, and in that chapter, it states very clearly, Abraham, to you and your descendants, I give this land as an everlasting possession, and I will also be their God. And in that same word of prophecy or that same visitation from God to Abraham in Genesis 17, he makes it very clear that my covenant I am making through Isaac, yeah. your son, not through Ishmael. In fact, and I'm just reading that part in the Bible at the moment it's in my, yeah. my normal reading. And yeah. uh, where uh, Abram says to God, oh, if only because Isaac's not born as yet. Uh, he's still nine it's months nice. away. And uh, Abram says, oh, if only you could bless Ishmael. And God says, yes, I'll bless him too. Yeah. But this covenant is going through Isaac. Yeah. But the... That's right. And of course, and from Isaac is Jacob. Isaac had no other descendants. It was only through Jacob. Uh, Jacob and Esau, I should say. Yeah. And then it was through Jacob. It was made very clear that the covenant was not through Esau. Um, Jacob, I have loved, but Esau, I have hated. That's Malachi. Uh, not that God hates Esau, but he hates the stand that Esau has against his twin brother. Yep. Uh, that is Jacob. So God has made it very clear in Scripture exactly who the objects of his covenant are. And through Abraham, it's Isaac and Jacob, not through Ishmael. How difficult is it when you travel around? Because I watched um, a video you were up at... Um, Lower Hutt? No, VCC, I think it was in Auckland. Oh, right? yeah. Is it yes. still called Victory uh, Christian Centre? Or Yeah, that's Vic yeah. the Victory Christian Centre. That was in Lower Hutt, though, not, not Oh, Auckland. it was the Lower Hutt one. Okay, yeah. all right. There yes, we go. I did that on Sunday. Yes, yeah. Um, when you're talking to a group like that, how how easy or difficult is it to convince people of supporting Israel. Yeah, the Christian audience uh, can be easy, but also hard because it depends how much indoctrination they have had that says that Israel is no longer relevant as far as a covenant partner with God is concerned, which is false teaching. But when I go, I just have to convince my uh, Christian uh, friends, wherever, whatever church I'm in, that number one, that uh, the Bible is true. You can count on what the Bible says. Then I challenge them, do you actually read the Bible? And if you read your Bible regularly, you can't escape the fact that God has a special covenant still with the Jewish people. And if you don't adhere to that as a Christian, then you have to ask yourself why. And sometimes there can be a spiritual blindness upon Christians because of their, their background and upbringing. Uh, Weston Carrier was a great uh, supporter of Israel. He was also one of the greatest healing evangelists that we've seen in New Zealand. He passed away a number of years ago, a personal friend to me. And Weston said to me, because he knew my pro-Israel stance, he says, Nigel, I'm convinced 
that the trouble with uh, many Christians in the church is there is still a resident or residual spirit of anti-Semitism in the hearts of many Christians, and they don't identify it or know about it. Yeah. Simply, you know, when you get down to it, uh, Rob, replacement theology is actually anti-Semitic. Well, I've said this so, so often, Nigel, that, uh, and the, the problem is, and as you said, the, 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 the Christians may not know that they're being anti-Semitic and that they are believing replacement theology because it's been around, the supersessionism has been around for yeah. a long, long time. If that's all you've been taught, your whole yep. life, you don't know, especially if it's not called replacement yep. theology. Uh, some, it's, yeah, well, a, it's a it's a hard hard door to open. That is actually it's it's it, the replacement theology is not a a, a set course you will study at any Bible school, <laughs> but the, uh, the the thread and fabric of replacement theology is interwoven in the doctrines of many Bible schools and churches, unfortunately. And it's something they have inherited from early on, from the early centuries when there was a disconnect, when when the center of Christendom changed from Jerusalem, where the apostles were, uh, to Rome, where the where the, the papal system uh, started in the third or fourth century. Um, so there was a disconnect there. But the fact is that Many Christians still have a residual spirit of anti-Semitism. I believe in their hearts, and they don't know it. And this is what is blinding their eyes from actually seeing what the Bible says. The Bible states things very clearly. Mm. And my only challenge to Christians is read your Bible and love your Bible and believe what you read. Believe what you read. And then they're going to find out for themselves, God still has a plan for Israel. The Jewish people still count. God has a special covenant with the Jewish people. He, he hates nobody but he is going to judge those who come against his purposes for the Jewish people in the last days. Yeah, and we've seen that so often in uh, in world governments. I mean, I, I personally think that the decline of the British Empire, yeah, uh, the British Commonwealth, happened with um, at the with the White Paper, basically when, yeah. when Israel when England turned their back on Israel after promising through the the Balfour Declaration and all that, and England just took their hands off. Yeah, and you can see the decline of the British Empire steadily from that time. Well, you know, Derek Prince, one of the greatest Bible teachers of the 20th century and who was accepted across the board, across denominations everywhere and, uh, and brought such a unity to the, to the body of Christ across any sort of denomination or church. And his gatherings were huge worldwide. And Derek Prince uh, witnessed all of what you just said, Rob. He uh, was a 25-year-old soldier at the beginning of World War II. And he witnessed the decline of the British Empire. And he, too, said exactly what you said. He said, as far as he's concerned, the decline came when Britain changed its policy from favoring a homeland for the Jewish people in Palestine to uh, deliberately opposing that and favoring the Arab cause instead. I, um, I once said, just in my mind, and I'm thinking, you know, if, if there were alien beings, which there aren't, <laughs> but uh, if there were alien beings and their, their whole uh, raison d'etre was to support the underdog, right? yeah. and they're looking down at the earth and they see all these nations and all these people coming against Israel, and their immediate reaction would be, well, we need to support Israel. But then you see what happens to nations that don't support Israel and turn against them. And I think these yeah. aliens would have a bit of a quandary going on, going, what do we do? Yeah, Israel <laughs> are not the underdog. Israel have got the oh. creator of the universe behind them. Well, Isaiah 60, 61 says the nation and kingdom that will not serve you, he's speaking to Israel, will certainly perish. Yeah. It's as part of I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. 
Um, you know, so any nation, and this is this was our big concern for New Zealand, Rob, when Murray McCulley was the foreign minister just a few years back, and he co-sponsored that very evil anti-Israel resolution in the United Nations with three other nations. He co-sponsored with Senegal, Malaysia, and what was the other one? Malaysia, Senegal, Venezuela, who are very anti-Israel nations. And in so doing, he brought a curse upon our nation. And were it not for the intercession of Christians throughout New Zealand, including my own church, that curse could have had devastating effects upon our nation. Um, but, you know, these guys, they, they don't know what they're playing with. They're not. This is not about Israel. It's about the God of Israel. It's about the God of truth and the God of the Bible and his will and purpose shall be achieved yeah. for the Jewish people, regardless of whether human beings or nations or great empires agree with it or not. It's going to make absolutely no difference stand. to what you believe. God is going to do yeah. what God said he will do. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. For his name's I mean, sake. Not, not, yeah. and, and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's not just for Israel's sake. That's it's right. for his name's sake. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, so I don't know why Christians don't get it, as, uh, apart from the fact it is spiritual blindness. I must admit, uh, I've learned not to um, not to get ugly toward other Christian ministers. There are ministers who don't believe in the modern state of Israel or in their right to be on that land. They are pro-Palestinian. Good on them from being pro-Palestinian, but woe to them for being anti-Israel in, in, in the same course. And uh, I cannot understand why they don't get it, but I don't. I don't bang them over the head with my Bible, Rob. Yeah. Uh, the best thing to do, I can, if I can have an intelligent conversation like this with them, that would be great. If I have opportunity, I will. However, the best way I've thought to uh, to combat that is prayer, because it's a spirit, and they need the revelation and light of the Holy Spirit shining upon the Word of God. So they can make the connection between reality, the spiritual reality, yeah. and what is actually happening in the world today. It's um, we get thrown at each other. Um, if you, if only you knew the Bible better. If you don't, yeah. you, I mean, and again, I'm in a discussion online. In fact, I've just, I've got, I've got to keep saying to myself, stop getting into arguments online, <laughs> you know. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm three paragraphs in, and I go, no, delete the lot, just leave it. It's not worth it. But mm -hmm. um, there's one that came up this morning, which is, it's talking about the the rapture, pre, post, mid, whatever. Yep. And and, uh, and and I'm firmly pre-trib. You know, and, and I don't get that from Thessalonians. I get it from other yeah. Bible verses. But the this person on the other end is going, well, if you knew your Bible better, there's no way you could be pre-trib. And I'm going, no. And, and if I take this to the to the support Israel or, or not support Israel or, say, support the Palestinian side, both sides are saying, if you knew your Bible better, mm. but it's more it's more the way I interpret the Bible. Well, I must I must be honest about as far as the tribulation is concerned, I don't get upset where, with the varying uh, beliefs uh, the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation or in the middle of it or at the end of the tribulation. That doesn't worry me because it is that's a matter of interpretation. Yeah. But as far as Israel is concerned, it's very clear in Scripture. God God calls a spade a spade and um, a heart a heart, and it's very clear. There's it's, some of it is all, almost not needing interpretation. It is for what it reads. He says, you know, uh, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them, and shall watch over his flock like a shepherd. And and in in Jeremiah 31, where that passage is found in verse 10, 
it is qualified in that prophecy of Jeremiah where it's talking about uh, in the latter days you will understand this. Why? Because that's when it's happening in the latter days. Yeah. And so it's very clear in Jeremiah 30, 31, he's not talking about the church. Israel is not the church, uh, or the church is not Israel. And, and it, going back to Derek Prince, quoting him, the church in the Bible, the church is the church, and Israel is Israel. Yeah. And it's just convenient for people who, who perhaps are anti-Semitic without knowing it to say as Christians, the church is the new Israel. That's, that's appalling. And that's very ignorant. And there's no revelation of God, of the Holy Spirit. You're trying to work it out in your own mind as if you're the greatest intellect in the world when you need to humble yourself and acknowledge, I need the Holy Spirit to teach me the word of God because I, I don't know it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fairness to some, though, as Peter lovingly points out when he mentions our dear beloved brother Paul, who says so many things that are hard to understand, yeah. and, and some of them are. Some of them are, but uh, most about Israel, the qualification for, for who Israel is today and what I believe comes outside of the teaching of the Apostle Paul. However, I have no difficulty with what Paul said. Uh, I, I love what he said, some of it for um, uneducated people or uh, unfaith people, because there are Christians without much faith at all, yeah. will actually find some of his stuff hard to understand. But this is why, you know, he, Paul also prayed for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon the church. And that's what we need in the church is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I let, just on the case of wisdom in Israel, let me ask, let me ask your, your, your uh, people who are watching this. Um, if, if, if God is the sovereign God and God no longer has a plan for Israel, and uh, now the church is Israel. Why in God's sovereignty at the end of time did he allow the people of Israel to form a nation state again at the end of time to cause all of this controversy? I'll tell you why. Because he's sovereign and he let it happen because this is plan. Yep. And this is part of what uh, Isaiah 34 says. It is part of the controversy of Zion. And God has a case with the nations over this controversy and he will bring judgment in the end on nations who are opposed to his purpose for Israel. In the, in the history of the world, it's the last 70 years, particularly of the last 2000, uh, the last couple of millennium, that yeah. the world is focused on this tiny little, little section of land, which, as we know now, uh, basically runs from Tauranga to Wellington. That's, that's the size yeah. of it. It's a tiny it's little a tiny, piece of real estate. It's a tiny little land. It's, uh, yeah. it's one, you know, even if Israel has the disputed territories of the Golan Heights, um, the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, still with those territories. And by the way, that was everything the Jewish people were supposed to have according to the mandate for Palestine in 1922, which was a covenant made into international law by all 51 nations of the League of Nations at that time, New Zealand included, agreed upon that. Yep. And so really from the river, the Jordan River to the sea, uh, Israel was supposed to be in that land completely. And if Israel had that land, it's still only one-tenth the size of New Zealand, a tiny nation. Yeah. And, you know, Rob, God promised the people of Israel, he said, he has divided up the nations and given the nations their land according to the number of the sons of Israel. This is in Deuteronomy. And uh, God was very generous to all of our nations to give us so much land. And when you compare the small amount of land the Jewish people have, it's like God was uh, giving most of the land to the others, so there would be no complaints from the others concerning God's covenant people Israel. But it's, ha it's, it's completely opposite. Yeah. The nation's yeah. continuing 
to try and divide and split and divide and split and carve up the land of Israel. And uh, this is the controversy over Zion that the Bible talks about. It's interesting the number of UN resolutions, because as we were talking about that and uh, something I just um, watched on a documentary last night, and and I've got to say it was so anti-Israel I had to turn it off after 30 minutes. Um, But Resolution 242, when we're talking about the disputed territories, the United Nations had to come up with a brand new resolution to force or to try and force Israel to give back land that was won during a war. That's never, ever happened. I mean, turn around to the Americans and say, you have to give Texas back. That's right. That's right. I mean, most lands in history have been won through warfare. Yeah. And uh, that's just the plain, you know, the strongest man or the, the, the rightest cause wins. And they fail to put that into the equation in the Middle East that uh, not so much the strongest man. Well, Israel is the strongest nation in the world because God backs her. But nevertheless, Israel was justified to take the land. She took more than any other nation. And they just ha- they just have to accept that. It's a pity that Israel didn't annex the whole lot when it conquered it in 1967. We might have the argument might have been over by now. Yeah. Perhaps. I don't know. But uh yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad that Israel is not treated like the other nations. It's always singled out. Um, but that's just part of and that's the reason why we advocate publicly for Israel's right, because the public are given a alternative story, which is false. How hard is it to separate the, uh, call it Christian Zionism, from the political yeah. realm? Uh, there's a guy, Mike Kerr, in America, an evangelist, you know, TV evangelist ministry thing. And uh, he sent a, a threatening letter to the Knesset saying, if they force Netanyahu into opposition, you will lose the support of my 77 million followers. Oh, and yeah. I'm going... That's not mm. supporting Israel. That's supporting one yeah. party. Fortunately, with my public advocacy for Israel, it is political, but it's not uh, siding with a political party. And we'll work with any politician that is willing to see the truth and to work with us in, in the line of the truth. You know, So you know, I was sad to see that a, a friend of mine, uh, well, I, I would call him a friend, uh, Lawrence Shule, who lost his seat in Tukituk in the last election, was a national member, a Christian. And I said to see Lawrence go, he was pro-Israel. He was coming along to our meetings with the Israeli ambassador when we had him through church. And now I have a new Labour candidate uh, who is there for Tukituk. And uh, I just had made up my mind, I just have to get on with this lady and form a warm relationship for the sake of what I do. Yeah. Because I'm not out to create enemies or divide sides like you're talking about. But I have to work with any political politician from any party as far as the truth about Israel is concerned. So with this current petition before gov- before Parliament, it's uh, yeah. it's like Israel is a nation. It's down there on the list of nations in the United Nations. Why don't yeah. we have an embassy there? That's right. We've published a petition, parliamentary petition, uh, and we want to put pressure on the Foreign Ministry of New Zealand to consider uh, the fact that we should have a an Israeli uh, a New Zealand embassy in the Jewish state. Um, we haven't said where in Israel to have that embassy. We didn't stipulate uh, whether it be Jerusalem, uh, which we would have preferred. But that's that's another controversy altogether. I mean, the first hurdle is to get an embassy in Israel. I mean, a, an embassy in the Negev Desert, a New Zealand embassy in the Negev Desert would be better than what we've got at the moment. We have nothing. <laughs> And um, it's, we feel it's unfair. You know, how serious are we as a nation in our relationship with the Jewish state? Well, it's it's right there that we don't have an embassy there. 
and yet Israel has an embassy in New Zealand. Israel restored its embassy in New Zealand over 10 years ago yeah. in 2010, but since we have not reciprocated. And this is the point that we make, that, that the foreign policy of New Zealand is that uh, our foreign policy tends and, and looks to be well-balanced and even-handed regarding the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And, and, it, and it is not. It is not because we have embassies in seven nations throughout the world which are historically hostile to Israel. This is mainly embassies in Islamic countries. We have embassies in Iran, Iran, yep. in Turkey, in Egypt, in Jordan, uh, and other nations that have historically been very hostile to Israel. It is true that some of these nations are warming in their relationships with Israel today. Nevertheless, why haven't we got an embassy in the only Jewish state? If we're talking about even-handedness, and balance, let's do that with an embassy in Israel then. You can't say it's unintentional. There, there has to be a, uh, a, a yeah, it's, it's got to be intentional. It's, years and years ago, when I was working for the New Zealand Music Bureau, we were mm. trying to uh, talk to Parliament and talk to the government about supporting New Zealand music as an export industry. And we made yeah. it very, very clear that we didn't want any money from them. It, we, yeah. we, want, we weren't asking for New Zealand on air. We said the money's there. It's All we really need is for the government to say, hey, here's New Zealand music. It's a good thing. You know, I mean, fortunately, the arts has taken off now. Peter Jackson's done a great thing with that. But it was it was just stonewalling and stonewalling and stonewalling the whole time. And so it's like with the embassy, you can't say this is an oversight where the New Zealand uh, government has gone, oh, gosh, haven't we? Gosh, who are we? Going? Let's choose Nigel. He can be our ambassador to Israel. It's got to be an intentional thing. And I know the, the current Israeli ambassador to New Zealand, when he met with us in uh, Auckland earlier this year, and he mentioned even the trade reasons yeah. why it would be good for us to have an embassy in Israel. That's right. I mean, um, the, the trouble with New Zealand foreign policy is that it, it, everything is based around economics. What is the financial advantage to New Zealand? That is complicated, however, with Israel because there are many Muslim countries that do business with New Zealand. And unfortunately, the foreign ministry puts uh, money, dollars before principle. And that's the problem right there, Rob. Yeah. And, and you know, the, I must say that uh, there are behind the scenes good connections going on with Israel and New Zealand uh, in business, uh, technology and stuff. But we could do a lot more together if we had a embassy and if New Zealand showed the Is Israelis that they're serious about our relationship by uh, coming to live uh, in their neighbourhood in Israel. If we go back to eschatology for a moment, the, the end times, yeah. um, the, the Bible says that in the end, every nation of the world will turn against Israel. I remember um, yeah. back during the, the last oh, five, six years ago, whenever the Gaza war was, and uh, a lady from Australia blogging, and she said, Australia will never turn against Israel. And I'm <laughs> going, read your Bible. Um, mm. If we're in the end times, and I'll just throw this out there, what's the point of pushing for a nice friendly relationship between New Zealand and Israel if eventually we're going to turn the other way? Um. Uh, we could say the same argument about, uh, well, if God knows everyone by name and has uh, had their name in the book of life and we could do nothing about evangelism too, it's because we still have to stand up to do what's right. It's part of the end time battle, you know, this this mega fight between righteousness and unrighteousness, between uh, good and wickedness and evil 
and light and darkness. And we still have to, as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, take our stand for the truth and make our stand. But it is true that uh, as much as it's in our power, we want to bring influence and persuasion upon politicians to show favor to Israel as long as it happens. How, how much more time we will have to do that, I do not know, because I feel since uh, COVID started at the beginning of 2020, uh, I feel that uh, things are really winding up to a conclusion really much faster than I ever thought they would. So, but as far and as long as we have the power to say something and do something, we should. And, you know, I, I do this public advocacy because, uh, as I've shared with you before, Rob, I was awakened in my sleep at the beginning of 2014, and I heard the word yep. of the Lord for the, for the protection of Zion. I speak up, and that's what drives me today to do what I do on the political level of advocating for Israel, simply because I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, and I'm just walking out the rest of my life in obedience to that call at the moment. Which is, and like, I don't have an option. You know, I don't have an option because I've learned as a Christian of many years that when you obey the Holy Spirit, you're blessed. And when you don't, you get into trouble. <laughs> I've just uploaded a uh, one of my short videos that talks about that. Uh, yeah. it, where in Matthew 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, yeah. not everybody that calls me Lord, Lord, not everyone that's shouting, shout to the Lord, you know, uh, will go to heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father. And then he shows it's not just doing Christian things, but it's being obedient to the call. Uh, yeah. And there are many times, I mean, Scott, Scott Wesley Brown with that wonderful song in the 70s, you know, please don't send me to Africa. You know, it's nah. like, oh, don't call me to Africa. Lord. I haven't been called to do what you do. And, yeah. you, know, a problem, you know, most of the viewers and listeners probably yeah. haven't as well. But we need nah. to be obedient to what God is calling each of us to do. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, you know, sometimes when I'm speaking before other uh, congregations, I will simply say that I, I'll mention that, look, I don't expect you to be doing what I do, but I'm just, you know, when I just go out on the road, uh, if I do go out and, on the road, then I'm just sharing basically my testimony because when the Lord asked me to do this in 2014 for the protection of Zion, I speak out, haven't got time to explain what that meant, but it was very clear at the time God meant public advocacy for Israel and this nation. When God asked me to do this, there was no Christian manual that said, this is how you do public advocacy for Israel. <laughs> and so basically, I've been writing the uh, the manual ever since. I've written my own manual. Yep. And uh, we had a protest with John outside the McLean Park Stadium in Napier last night because John Minto, who may have been a great advocate for uh, the black South Africans 40 years ago, is doing a terrible job telling lies about the state of Israel today, calling Israel an apartheid state which is a lie and, and nowhere near the truth. And so we were outside the, the McLean Park Stadium last night shouting and, and proclaiming and sharing our point of view. Minto was there. We challenged him. He was challenged to his face about the lie he is spreading that Israel's an apartheid state, and we let him know very clearly that we stand with Israel. He only had about 15 of his supporters end up going to a meeting he'd advertised, and yet we... Uh, we managed to get about 50 of us outside there with our megaphones, our placards, and our Israeli flags making our point, protesting what he is doing. Well, guess what, Rob? We learned how to do some of that protesting we did last night. We learned that from John Minto in 2014 when we faced him for the first time because we went down to face Minto in 2014 outside the St. James Theatre in Wellington yep. when he was protesting the uh, Israeli dance company Bat Shaver who were dancing in the New Zealand Festival of Arts in Wellington. And uh, he was saying, no, don't have anything to do with this. It's, a, it's apartheid. 
and we call for boycotts, divestments, and sanctions. Well, we went down at the in obedience to the Holy Spirit who told us to do this. It was only five days out, four days after that word I got for the protection of Zion. I speak up. We're down in Wellington, and we we didn't know what to do, so we learned from what he did, <laughs> and that's what we used against him last night. Uh, last night was the ninth public advocacy, uh, the ninth public rally that I have led in this public advocacy for Israel. So uh, that's that's, and I never tell people you should be doing what I do. There's just empowerment in me sharing the story of what I do and why I do it, yep. and it's then up to the Holy Spirit to touch the hearts of people. You know, I mean, we just had a big campaign uh, in newspapers throughout New Zealand, and at the moment on the internet that was worth uh, probably $33,000 of advertisements and ads a New Zealand embassy in Israel and pushing this advocacy for the Jewish state. And, you know, I was only empowered to be able to do that. That didn't, This time that money did not come from the Flaxmere Christian Fellowship. It came from Christians around, well, mainly Christians, but some some Jews too gave yep. Uh, yep. because they heard the testimony. And I, I never put my hand out asking for money. I just share the testimony. And as God touches hearts, people support it. It's as easy as that. It's very much like Jeremiah at times. You know, Jeremiah, yeah. God says to him, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the nation of Israel, uh, the nation of yeah. Judah, and uh, yeah. tell them to stop sinning, and then I'll you know, reverse my thing with Babylon. And by the way, Jeremiah, mm -hmm. they're not going to listen to you, and they're going yeah. to treat you as a traitor. You'll be tried for treason, but you still have to do it. You still have to do it. And look at uh, what about, uh, you know, the, the prophet Jonah who went down to Nineveh. He, he took the word of the Lord. First of all, he tried to run away from it and uh, got swallowed by a big fish. But he took the word of the Lord to Nineveh and he hoped to see the fire and brimstone coming down and destroying the city. And he was disappointed when God did. But that's what God, he didn't want to destroy Nineveh. He wanted the salvation of the human people, yeah. the, the human race. And, and uh, poor old uh, Jonah got quite upset that he wasn't going to see a fireworks display that he'd been <laughs> prophesying. Yeah. Um Going back to the the fully supporting Israel thing, and yeah. if this is not the the political side, but and yeah. again, um, there are Arab Christians in Israel. Yeah. There are um, Arab Christians in the disputed territories in the West yeah. Bank or Judea, Samaria, in Gaza. Yeah. Uh, total in the area, I believe, of around one hundred and sixty, hundred and seventy thousand. There yep. are about 20,000 uh, Messianic believers in the land of Israel. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's, that I know you get all the time is people say, well, you're just supporting Israel and the Jews. What about these yep. other Christians? Yeah. Well, um, I regard the Arab Christians, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as much as I regard the Jewish believers, the Messianic Jews in Israel, as my brothers and sisters in Christ. So there has to be respect for them. Um there are Arabs who see my point of view, uh, Arab Christians, because they read their Bibles too. And, um, you know, unfortunately, there is the, the political campaign of the Palestinian Authority and the Palestinian political cause has tried to get uh, the Christian Arabs on board of their political agenda. This has resulted in some Christian Arabs uh, charging that Israel is an apartheid state. And it was actually the Christians in Palestine, Palestine, the Palestinian Christians, who were actually responsible through what they published at the beginning of this century, the Kairos document, 
they were the ones that responsible for actually initiating the boycotts, divestments, and sanctions of Israel, the BDS movement. Uh, but these are those Christians in those territories who have been politicized. They have been uh, hijacked by the Palestinian Authority, the haters of Israel. And uh, I would say to those, those Christians, read your Bibles and repent for not believing it, and then repent for not allowing Israel to have sovereignty over the land that God says belong to them. The land does not belong to the Palestinians. It's, we're talking about land sovereignty, Rob. Yep. Not, you know, there are Palestinians, or I call them Palestinians, there are Arabs within Israel, and even Arabs in the West Bank who no doubt own land as a private land holding, like you may have your own house, I have my own house. Israel does not go and steal their land. But Israel has the right to have sovereignty over all that land, regardless whether you own your own property or not, because it is by right, historical right, and biblical right, the land of Israel. So if the Palestinian Arab Christians were reading their Bibles as I do, they would find that out for themselves, and some do, Rob. Yeah. And, and let me also say, unfortunately, that sometimes in heated situations like the Gaza War of 2014 and, and other times, uh, the whereas normally there are good relations between the Messianic body in Israel and the, the Arab Christians in Israel or the West Bank, uh, sometimes that's that's fractured a little bit becomes a little bit tense, obviously, through the political things happening in times of crisis. Uh, so I guess we pray for them. Yeah. And but but, but it's it's like I, I always tell people that uh, yes, God loves the Palestinians, and this isn't just the Palestinian Christians. He loves all Palestinians. But being loved by God does not give you the right to take something that belongs to somebody else. And the land of Israel is sovereignly Israel's land, the land of the Jewish people, because it is theirs by Bible title deed. However, Nigel, we've got to say, though, that um, when we talk about taking land that belongs to someone else, and, and this is this is where uh, we are sometimes accused of blindly supporting Israel um, yeah. and everything they do. In the early days of the nation of Israel, there were Arabs who were kicked off their land. Um, and there are still, with some of the settlements in the disputed territories, there is land that Arabs have lived on for sometimes centuries. Not obviously not the numbers that that sometimes is put out there, but yeah. there is a, there is a situation. I mean, the the Israelis are not angels. And the Israeli well, government is not an, an angelic government. Well, they've been that they're in a very difficult situation. I mean, you know, when they came out of the Holocaust, they saw six million of their people slaughtered and murdered, and they said never again. They've had to be very, very tight on security. And uh, if the if the, the if the Palestinian Arabs, the Arabs living in Palestine, the name of it before it was the State of Israel, if if they had welcomed the, their Jewish brothers, and uh, and some did, and welcomed the. Uh, the Balfour Declaration and the Mandate for Palestine, which welcomed a national home for the Jewish people in that land, then we would not perhaps have the conflict we have today. However, even before the birth of the State of Israel in 1948, Rob, there was there were terrible things happening, mainly from the Arab side, Arab terrorism, uh, doing everything they could to stop the establishment of a Jewish state in Palestine. And, uh, you know, the fact is that most Arabs... Uh, of course, the numbers are exaggerated, as you said, but most Arabs living within the land of, well, Palestine and then Israel, 
uh, prior to the birth of the state of Israel, they had come in as as nomadic people in the in the century before the birth of the state of Israel. Uh, there, it is true there had been a remnant of Arabs who had lived on the land for a very long time, yeah. as there is a remnant of Jews who had lived in the land for a very long time. But uh, the majority of the Arabs came in the century before the birth of the state of Israel. And what attracted many of them to come in, they came from Egypt, from Morocco, from Libya, and from other, other Middle Eastern and North African countries. What attracted them to come to the land of Israel, to Palestine, what, what, what was the magnet? It was uh, Jewish Zionism. As these Jewish Zionists were coming back to Zion and bringing money, capital with it, and setting up industry and infrastructure and agriculture, then, of course, the result was there was a need for employment. And so the Arabs migrated into the land too because of that which was created by Zionism. So there's there's a bit more to the argument than what they say. Um, but but as far as historical right, yes, there are Arabs in the land who, who may have historical right through hundreds of years, but the Jews have an historical right in millennia, going back millennia. So the greatest title deed belongs to the Jewish people. Even before Christians were or Muslims were, it was the land of the Jews, the land of Israel. The interesting thing I heard you say at the beginning of your talk at, uh, at VCC was regarding Abraham's four altars where yeah. God either made the covenant or confirmed the covenant with him. And all four of those altars are in the West Bank. Well, that's right. When you actually see a picture of the West Bank and where Abraham's uh, four altars were, you begin to see the real battle. And uh, Abraham first planted his first altar in Shechem, uh, modern Nablus, uh, there in the West Bank. He then set up another altar between Bethel and Ai on the West Bank. And a third one at Hebron or Kiryat Arba or Hebron, as they say in Hebrew. And then his last altar was his his uh, most sacrificial when he was asked to offer Isaac, his son, on that altar on Mount Moriah. This is on the Temple Mount where the Dome of the Rock is today. All these areas are areas of contention in the whole battle. And when you realize that uh, it was in those places where God not only, where Abraham not only built altars, but he built them there because God at those same places made covenant-keeping promises to Abraham that this is where your descendants will live. It will be an everlasting possession. I'll always be your God and watch over you. And uh, when you realize that, that, that you realize that it's not a natural battle. It's not really a geopolitical battle. It is, but yeah. only because of the fierce supernatural battle going on between the forces of darkness, Satan and his armies trying desperately to forbid the Jewish people from gaining their inheritance that because God Almighty gave it to them. Yeah, it's I don't know where, There's nowhere in Scripture, Rob, where God has offered another nation land, except to say that by his sovereignty, he knew all the nations before they were, and he set the times and places for them uh, for where they would live, yep. including New Zealand. But there's nowhere in, in Scripture where God gives by covenant a people its land, only Israel. So surprise, surprise, this is the battle, because it's because God said it, and God wants it, Satan is opposed to that because he's a rebel and he hates God and he wants to see God's purposes nullified and brought to nothing. God says, however, my purpose will stand and I'll do all that I please. That's the battle right there. I find it interesting with the, the shape of the West Bank or Judea Samaria as it's known in Israel, the, 
if if you said to somebody, uh, mark on a map the four places where Abram built an altar, and yeah. draw a circle of uh, ten uh, di ten mile diameter around yeah. each of those places, that's pretty mm. much the exact shape of the West Bank. Of the West Bank, that's right. And so this is where the battle is. So and, you know, uh, you know, it's a spiritual thing when that happens. It's a spiritual thing, supernatural. So, and realize this, does Israel has, have a right to have sovereignty over the West Bank? Well, for a Bible-believing Christian, yes, they do. It is theirs by inheritance. God gave it to them, not the United Nations. What are you going to listen to? Do you think we should take more thought of listening to the United Nations rather than God? So do we believe our Bibles or not? This is really a test for Christians. Are you going to really take the word of God seriously? Yeah. And why do you think God put in the Bible all the stuff about Israel and the land belonged to it? If he didn't want us to get as Christians involved in the controversy, why did he go and put it in a book he gave us to read? So <laughs> it's very straightforward for me. Yeah. And uh, I'm passionate because of God's call for the protection of Zion, I must speak up. But also because my, my passion is founded upon the word of God, which I've been reading regularly all my, Christ, all my adult life. All my adult life. Yeah, and it's there's times when you have to uh, you have to question what it is that you believe or have believed and, and yeah. been taught when you're reading the Bible. Uh, yeah. As a for instance, uh, and ironically, next week I'm doing a podcast with Alison Marshall, who is the uh, the chief guide or was the chief guide at the Tabernacle in the Wilderness down okay. in the, in the Timnah oh, Valley. Yeah. Uh, Valley. Um, but I'm you know I'm reading in Exodus, and God says, "Build the tabernacle." outside the camp yeah and i'm going well hang on no 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 no. the the tabernacle was there and the israelites were camped around it and almost in the shape of a cross yeah so hang on he's saying build the tabernacle so in, in in my thinking in my my personal theology i've got to sit down and now go how does that reconcile biblically hmm. not not oh that's wrong and it contradicts itself because if it's the bible it can't and i think we need to sit down at times with our understanding of israel and israel's place in the modern secular world, yeah, and say, okay, what does how do I reconcile the Bible with what's happening at the moment? If you looked at the United Nations resolutions, and you might know the numbers better than I do, but I think there's the UN in the last couple of years have made more resolutions against Israel than all the other nations collectively. On an annual basis, Rob, on an annual basis, uh the United Nations singles out Israel for condemnations for one reason or another, and it's always around the uh, uh, having sovereignty within land that is within what they call the occupied territories, yep. which is it's not a good name, occupied territories. It tells them they've got something they shouldn't have. The better name in term is disputed territories because they are disputed. There's no question about that. But uh, Israel has a good case in the dispute to have sovereignty over the land that's disputed, you yeah. know? Um, haven't begun to speak about the Palestinians already have the estate. It's called the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan yeah. on the west side of the Jordan. Which was actually uh, part of the original Palestine, wasn't it? The Palestine. That, that, yeah, that yeah. All of, all, the Palestine was originally regarded as uh, everything on the west bank of the Jordan and the east bank of the Jordan. Uh, you don't hear so much about the east bank of the Jordan, but, but there was... Uh, the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan and Israel today, including the disputed territories, make up what was Palestine when Lord Arthur Balfour, as the Foreign Secretary in 1917, issued the Balfour Declaration, where His Majesty's government viewed with favour the establishment of a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine. 
Well, that Palestine was what I just described to you, yeah. the modern state of Jordan, as well as Israel. And then in, in 1920, after the San Remo Conference, as the mandate for Palestine, that area was granted to Britain to be caretaker and uh, steward of Palestine to see that eventually the people of Palestine gained their own independent sovereignty. Within that mandate, they then uh, issued uh, the mandate for Palestine, which the, and the cornerstone for the mandate was the Balfour Declaration that I just mentioned, the uh, national home for the Jewish people in Palestine. And what Winston Churchill as the colonial secretary did back at that time to placate the need for Arab sovereignty in Palestine was he divided Palestine and gave 77% of it, everything east of the Jordan River, to uh, to the Arabs, hence the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan today. Uh, so there is a case for truth. Yeah. The fact is that the Palestinians do have their state. It was given to them. This is why when I was at the Christchurch airport at 2015, the end of 2015, after my first petition to Parliament had been presented, I bumped into a um, a key politician a member of the New Zealand government at that time, who's very high up in the cabinet and government, I better not mention his name. Um, but in conversing with him about my petition, he said to me, you know, the Palestinians already have their state, it's the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. I should say that this politician was not a nitwit, he was an intelligent man yeah. who who knows both both national and international law. So he summed it up perfectly. But of course, uh, the United Nations suffer from amnesia and they forget what their forerunner, the League of Nations, said. Yeah. And they try to force Israel to go back to unreasonable lines and borders. And there is the, the thing that we battle. I mean, we, we, we battle in the spiritual, not in the natural. We know that yeah. from, from, from Paul. But yeah. uh, I was just talking, speaking of Paul, to another Paul, a uh, friend of mine, um, about the misinformation in the press. Uh, yeah. Today, I think, is the it's the 21st anniversary of a photo that was printed. It had a uh, an Israeli soldier with a baton or an Israeli policeman with a baton. And according to the photo, it was a, a blood-stained Palestinian youth. That was what the photo was. The mm. truth was the youth was actually an American Jewish um, young man who had gone yeah. to yeshiva uh, in Jerusalem and had been beaten up by a gang of Palestinians and the policeman was standing there over him, protecting him. And this whole yeah. website was set up to say, let's show the truth. The, the, mm. the reason why I'm saying to Paul about it, when we were in Israel four years ago, um, we were blocked at one point coming back through past the old city because there'd been a, an incident at the Damascus gate. Yeah. The BBC and CNN, the headline was, three Palestinians killed in stabbing incident in Old City. Yeah. They then had to retract that and say, oh, well, actually, the three Palestinians were the ones doing the stabbing. Yeah. And they got killed by people who were trying to protect the person they were I stabbing. Yeah, the misinformation that's going around, how do we, you know, for people that are still, because I, I can imagine there are a lot of people, uh, Nigel, that have stopped listening and stopped watching so far in this podcast. But for those yeah. that are still watching and, and asking, what do they do? How do they, how do they start to change this mindset? Um, I guess those who are for us are still watching, and those who are not so for us are not watching anymore. Um, but I'm familiar with the first story you mentioned. It's propaganda. And the Palestinians have done a good job at propaganda. 
they really have. Um, they learned that from, I guess, Hajimin al Husseini, the Mufti of Jerusalem, during the Second World War, that is the representative of the Palestinian people, went to Germany during the war and, uh, and conversed with Adolf Hitler and joined him in his genocide against the Jews. He had, he'd, 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 I guess, uh, helped formulate a plan to exterminate the 550,000 Jews living in Palestine during World War II. So they've got good foundations for propaganda. They learned it off Joseph Goebbels, who was the propaganda minister for the Nazis at that time. Um, what do Christians do? There's only one way to combat falsehood and lies and propaganda, and it is to come against it with the truth. And, and we, above all people, know the truth. Christians know the truth. The word, thy word is truth, Jesus said of the Bible. So we, above all people, should learn to shout and shout out loud. And it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable to do that. But I'll tell you, when we did our first battle with John Minto in 2014 at St. James Theatre, we uh, were not orthodox in our style, Rob. We were very unorthodox, but we shouted loud. And we, uh, we, we sung loud, Hatikva. And we came back with two, four, six, eight, stop telling lies. Uh, we learned to chant from them. They were saying two, four, six, six, eight, Israel is a racist state. And we didn't know what to do but say two, four, six, eight, stop telling lies. And we said it with such vigor and spirit that the unorthodoxy was canceled out by our spirit and our zeal and our sincerity. And we came away from there feeling exhilarated because we had made a public stand because we know the truth. Yeah. And now we've had opportunity to share our truth with people no matter how unorthodox it sounded. Uh, and we felt the same last night that, uh, you know, lots of people wouldn't be interested in what we're doing, but we are because someone is saying lies about Israel, propaganda, yeah. and we were there to contest that. So the answer to the lies and propaganda is simply tell the truth. You as a Christian know the truth or you should. Keep reading your Bible and stand up for the truth. And uh, we've got to say, when you say Palestinians, in this in this context, you mean the Palestinian Authority not the yeah. Palestinian people, because in yeah. reality, the Palestinian Authority represent the people about as much as what our government do. Yeah, the, it's the it's the activists in this whole conflict which are stirring the trouble. Um, unfortunately, they, from what I have asked uh, different uh, people in the know, uh, how many how many Palestinians are actually following the Palestinian Authority? There is a percentage there that might be close to fifty percent at the most. However, there's a decent portion of Palestinians who are peace-loving people, uh, Muslims and Christians, who just want to get on with Israel. Yeah. Uh, they, they look at Israel, they see the prosperity in Israel, they see the human rights in Israel. I Israel treats them more fairly than, than their own Palestinian authority treats them. And that, we're not even touching Hamas, the terrorist government in Gaza. We're talking about the, the Palestinians on the West Bank. Yeah. Listen, I met a Palestinian woman in 2017, I was there. Uh, I got to gain her confidence. We struck up a conversation, as, and this is on the West Bank. We're in a settlement on the West Bank, and I asked her, tell me the truth. What would you prefer, uh, the, the governance of the Palestinian Authority or the governance of Israel? And she said, uh, don't believe a thing you're hearing. It's a lot of BS. I cannot say the word. She said, it's a lot of that. And when she said that, I realized she could speak proper English. Yep. And in the conversation, she said to me, that uh, we want Israeli governance and sovereignty because the Israelis treat us properly. They treat us better than our own leaders. That's what Palestinians are saying too. So there is a uh, there is a divide among the Palestinians of what they want and who wants it, but there's a lot of good people in the Palestinian 
population who, who are peace-loving people who just want to get on with life. But it's the activists like the, the leaders, the Palestinian Authority, Hamas, and the other activists who, because of their political agenda, which is warped and false, uh, stirring up a whole lot of conflict. And that's, that's the basis of what's happening today. Nigel, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed this. God bless you, Rob. Good to see you. We'll see you again sometime. Absolutely. Uh, Nigel right. Woodley from uh, For the Protection of Zion. And uh, click the links in the description, either up there or down there, wherever it is, depending on where you're watching. And if you enjoy the podcasts, make sure you, that you like them and subscribe and click the bell and do all those sorts of things.